My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to my Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is Dale Wickheiser, CTO and co-founder of Park My Cloud. Dale and I speak about all kinds of aspects of the cloud, including why Microsoft Azure has seen so much growth recently. They are growing. Certainly they're growing. Uh, it's just difficult to tell how much the Azure part is really growing. Um, Office 365, I think, is, uh, is a lot of that growth as well as some of the benefits and drawbacks of a hybrid cloud environment. Having a combination of um, an on-premise data center and one public cloud provider, or maybe more than one public cloud provider, is, the, is this notion of hybrid cloud, right? First though, I wanna speak about cloud implementation. Most organizations have moved or are thinking of moving to the cloud. Just this week, Tech Decisions posted a survey that found of 200 plus organizations polled, 85% were planning to or had moved to a cloud environment. It makes things easier in a lot of ways. Data is more accessible, documents are more accessible, remote workers can more easily connect and get access to what they need from the company. But in a lot of ways, it's extremely complicated. Moving all of your information and processes to the cloud is a huge shift for any organization. For most, an IT provider will help aid and assist that migration. But how do you get started? How do you choose the right IT provider and how do you have an informed conversation so that you choose the right cloud environment for your organization? Well, I'll tell you how. You go to Tech Decisions. This past month, Chris Ploessel, the president of Red Knight Consulting, which is an IT consulting firm that is cloud-first for its customers, wrote an article that broke the cloud migration process down to six steps. Chris has over 20 years' experience in IT. His consulting firm is extremely successful because they understand migration to the cloud. They understand how to help their customers successfully move to a cloud environment. That information is free for those that want to head over to Tech Decisions and read Chris's bylined article, an extremely in-depth 1,800-word piece about everything from how to choose the right IT provider to asking the IT provider the right questions to figuring out what you need, what value you need, what services you need out of the cloud all the way through migration and ultimately implementation. I'm not just saying this because I'm the managing editor of Tech Decisions. It's an extremely valuable article for anyone interested in the cloud whatsoever. Even if you've already moved to the cloud, even if you don't plan on moving to the cloud for another year or two years, which if you haven't, start planning for that, head over to Tech Decisions, read this article. There is information in it that everyone interested in the cloud and IT should know. For today's purposes, though, Dale Wickheiser is going to tell us about the differences between Microsoft Azure and Amazon Web Services, 
what each of those can offer, some of the drawbacks for each, why a company would want to go with one or the other. And we talk a lot about the hybrid model of cloud services. And finally, Dale will explain how his company, Park My Cloud, can help cut costs, really unseen costs, around utilizing the cloud. It's an informative, interesting interview, and I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to My Tech Decisions Podcast. Today we have Dale Wickheiser, CTO and co-founder of Park My Cloud. Dale, thank you for joining us. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you very much for the opportunity to to, uh, join your podcast. No problem at all. We've invited Dale on the podcast for a number of reasons. Uh, Ultimately, Park My Cloud is an interesting service that could really help technology managers out, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. To start off, Dale is in a unique position to understand Microsoft Azure and Amazon Web Services and how those two competing cloud services uh, can benefit or potentially hurt companies. So uh, to start off, Microsoft Azure has gained a 93% growth this quarter. What's the explanation for that? Yeah, that's that's interesting. And it's, it's interesting that they quote those numbers because the one thing Microsoft doesn't do or doesn't really tell you a lot is that those numbers also include Office 365, which is their their desktop services not related really to Azure Cloud, you know, the core Azure Cloud services at all. So it's it's very difficult if you were to compare, say, AWS cloud services to Azure cloud services, apples to apples, it's very difficult because it's a bit obfuscated, you know, but they are growing. Certainly they're growing. Um, it's just difficult to tell how much the Azure part is really growing. Um, Office 365, I think, is uh, is a lot of that growth. Microsoft Azure and Amazon Web Services are two of the really big ones. And there are some other. Google obviously has its cloud and um, IBM has a cloud, some other things as well. Uh, but right now, sort of the fight, the battle is between Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure. And I think it's fair to say that right now, Amazon Web Services is winning that battle. What's the reason for this? Well, I think Amazon had a head start. I mean, they started this back in 2006, um, a long time ago. They, their first foray into cloud computing to attract corporations was actually to appeal to the, the development community. And so initially, um, with their elastic cloud computing, you know, their compute component, if you will, their compute service, um, they really drew a following out of the developer community, um, not only in supporting them, but getting those developers to help contribute back a bit um, and grew from there. And then pretty soon started, uh, their, their services became mature enough that they uh, began to appeal to mainline enterprise applications uh, as well. And, and so they've been uh, growing at a breakneck pace, developing new services all the time. Um, and I would say, um, if I if I were to look at the trend in AWS, they have moved away from the traditional infrastructure as a service where they first started back in 2006, and increasingly they're moving to platform as a service. Things like uh, I, I I view these as black boxes, if you will, like a, a, their RDS uh, database services. One notable one where you don't really have to manage all the things you'd normally have to do with the database. They do that behind the scenes for you, and they're and they're they're taking that platform as a service model that black box approach and they're expanding it into other services as well such as elastic map reduces which which is like their hadoop service their ecs which is their container service or like docker um you name it they have iot they have gaming 
platform as a service offerings and so forth. Um, so, you know, they, I, I think they just had a great head start on Microsoft, but um, you can't, that doesn't mean that Microsoft won't, you know, eventually catch up. Uh, Microsoft's focus has been on the on-premise data center and their licensing agreements there where, frankly, they were king, right? And as they shift that into the Azure cloud model, uh, that's just going to be a force to be reckoned with. So it's not surprising that they're beginning to gain ground based on that, right? Yeah, and you mentioned that Amazon Web Services is moving more towards a platform as a service model. Is Azure still in the infrastructure as a service model, and do you see them moving in the same direction? No, I see I see comparable offerings in the platform as a service, at least in the database area and so forth, um, and certainly in other areas like in Hadoop and in uh, you know the big data things. I you know. Um, Azure is offering similar type of platform as a service. I would just say they're a little bit behind in terms of their maturity, you know, because you know AWS has had uh, a little bit more time, right? They've uh, they've gotten the arrows of being the pioneer, you know, in their back, and and have learned from their mistakes and had time to improve. And you know, Microsoft, I think, is just a little bit behind in their maturity on some of these things, right? But they're improving. They're definitely improving. So based on where both of these cloud services are right now, a company that is looking to migrate to the cloud, what should they know about each service? Which one would they want to go to? What are the benefits or some of the drawbacks between each one? Yeah. It's kind of funny. I've actually written, uh, I'm in the process of writing a blog just on the cloud computing service. Um, I have to say, as, as someone who has been dealing in on-premise data centers for many years, your first foray into the cloud, um, whether it's in AWS or whether it's going to be in Azure, it's kind of like being, uh, you know, dropped in the middle of a jungle someplace in Papua New Guinea, <laughs> because <laughs> the language on how they describe things is different. The cultures are all different. Uh, you know, pricing, how they do pricing is totally different and everything else. And it can be quite confusing and quite daunting if you're not careful, uh, even in just the even in just the compute arena. I mean, for example, in the on the compute side, AWS refers to their Elastic Cloud Computer, their or Elastic Compute Cloud EC2. They refer to them as instances. In the in the Azure side, they refer to them as virtual machines or VMs. Um, you know, they have auto scaling groups on the AWS side. They have scale sets. Um, you know, if you look in the Azure side, uh, they have. Uh, any cloud provider when they first come into this, obviously, I mentioned before, they're they're gonna not have it perfect the first time. And so on, on uh, when, when AWS started in 2006, their EC2 compute instances, um, they didn't have virtual private clouds. And so those things existed outside of it. Now they have virtual private clouds and all their new instances are a part of that. And they label the old, the old ones that, that many people are still stuck in as classic. You know, and, and Azure has the same problem with respect to their resource manager, their early interfaces, all their stuff didn't know how to really use resource manager and resource groups. Now their new ones do and they don't and for some reason some genius thought it wasn't good to call the old stuff you don't want anymore classic. But you know the point is is you see this time and time again, not just in compute, but in the database services and other areas. The languages are all different. The pricing is different. It's very hard to do apples to apples comparisons. And so it's quite challenging for people who are coming for the first time out of the on-premise data centers into the cloud. 
you know, how do you make the, how do you make the right decision? It's just, it's, it's daunting. It truly is daunting. Sure. And would you say that working with an IT provider, uh, an MSP or a VAR or something like that, w- would that be a good way to get that conversation started? I, I think so. I think working with someone who has sort of jumped in ahead of you and uh, gotten the lay of the land, understood the culture, understood the philosophies and understood the the language and the jargon and, and so forth and can cut through all that to get you answers to the questions you're trying to do would be quite helpful. Uh, and I'm sure that's how many of the strong uh, MSPs out there have, are making their business. Uh, you know, that's probably what's driving their business model. And so, yeah, I mean, I, it would make sense um, to to get help from someone like that to help you uh, climb that learning curve a lot faster. Definitely. That makes sense. Now, I know that some companies that are already on the cloud have moved into a hybrid model, and some of them are using both Azure and Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. What is the hybrid model, and why are companies moving towards it? What's the benefit, and what's the drawback? Yeah, I mean, in the strictest sense, the definition of a hybrid cloud is you you know, you know, have a, a combination of both a, maybe a public cloud and a private cloud, where the private cloud may be you're running virtualization of some sort in your on-premise data center. And the, the, the thought is, is that you can run uh, uh, some type of direct connect link and actually manage workloads across both if necessary. For example, I could be um, running an application in my on-premise data, data center and I could be doing DR to the cloud or vice versa. I could be doing running my application out in the cloud and doing DR back to my main data center if I have you know, some sort of fiducial responsibility or compliance issue with the data. Um, in in some cases, there are applications that will never make it off-premise because maybe the, the the restrictions on the type of data, like if it's ITAR data or some type of other uh, data that must be localized within that geographic uh, data center um, or or within that country and can't make it out, you know, they they'll probably keep that on-premise. So I think, you know, in in the strictest sense, really having a combination of um, an on-premise data center and one public cloud provider, or maybe more than one public cloud provider, is then is this notion of hybrid cloud, right? Um, and I think that reality, frankly, especially the one between on-premise data centers and and public cloud providers, is going to be around for a long time, because let's face it, people, you know, people change at a slower pace. People, people's processes and their ability to absorb change um, is not quite as fast as technology moves, right? And so this we're probably going to be in this situation for some time. Sure. And regardless of what you're using for your cloud services, if it's a public cloud, Park My Cloud can help cut some unseen costs that a lot of tech managers aren't really aware of. Could you explain how that works? Well, sure. Park My Cloud, um, we allow you to schedule on-off times for your compute, your cloud, your public cloud compute resources. Um, automatically without having to do any scripting. Um, for example, and when I, when I say that, I mean, there are environments, frankly, that don't have to be running 24 by seven. Those include like development and test environments, QA environments, uh, demo training, so forth. Those things just don't need to be running 24 by seven. So uh, your production environments, however, obviously those are on all the time. So there's a combination of the two. We help in those non-production ones that can be turned off. Um, what happens is people will move to the cloud 
they 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 look you know they're 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 trying to change the the uh, the discussion from one of a of a upfront capex type discussion where they're investing millions and millions of dollars in data center um, capital uh, capital expenditures and so forth they they move to the cloud in hopes of changing that conversation into a monthly opex which is a little bit more predictable um, they can provision stuff faster in the cloud hey that's fantastic it's great and oftentimes there is a cost savings in moving to the cloud from one to the other. Uh, just in terms of how you um, uh, count money and so forth. But what they don't realize is, is the cloud providers, particularly AWS, has made th have made things extremely easy uh, to turn on, new services and so forth. And before you know it, their monthly spend is going through the roof and, and the money they thought they were going to be saving, uh, they're surprised to see that maybe, well, yeah, maybe it's not quite as much <laughs> because the adoption has all of a sudden increased. Things are easier to do out in the cloud than maybe it was on the on-premise, um, and there are bad habits that come along to the clouds. For for example, um, if I was a developer and I've already have a sunk cost in my on-premise data center, hey, I can leave stuff running all the time. It doesn't really matter. But when you get into public cloud, that can be costly. You know, by the same token, um, if I'm a developer in inside a data center and I, you know, it's it's there anyway. I don't know how big the VM I need, so I'll just you know, spin up the biggest one. Well, if you do that same thing in the public cloud, that can that can cost you a lot of money. So, you know, part of my cloud is looking to help in that area to help better optimize those costs and turn off things when you're not using them, um, and you know, get into things like right sizing where you can get the right size instance so you're not spending more money than you need. So that's our approach in general. And I know uh, you've mentioned to me off the podcast that you guys are are mostly involved in computing at present, but moving forward, you have some ideas to expand? Well, we we are expanding within the compute footprint first into some of the other platform as a service offerings as well. But yes, we are looking to expand into, um, you know, other other features. So for example, I mentioned right sizing is one of them. We're looking obviously to, to get into parking uh, database services as well. Uh, the challenge has been in the past that um, the the cloud providers really haven't, and a lot of their platform as a service offerings haven't created an off switch for those, which makes it very difficult. And those things next to compute, those database services uh, tend to be some of the most expensive. Um, so that's another area we're looking to get into. And as we go there, they'll, I'm sure we'll see opportunities for other great. Uh, uh, services we can help with as well. Can't get into that one right now, but yeah. No problem. We'll we'll make sure to pay attention and bring our audience all the information about Park My Cloud as you guys continue to grow. Um, yes. But for now, if our audience is interested in finding out more information or potentially purchasing your service, how can they get in touch? How can they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, the simplest way is actually just to go to our website, www.parkmycloud.com. And uh, the site is loaded with a ton of good information about what we do. Lots of good blogs there, lots of uh, great calculators to help you predict um, how you can save money. And in fact, you can, uh, if you want to, you can try it out for free. Um, we actually uh, offer a 14-day free trial to try out the premium services. And we even have a free tier um, for smaller companies who, uh, you know, need a break like we are, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a heart for uh, other startups as well. So. Absolutely. Well, I encourage startups, large companies, small, any size to go to parkmycloud.com, uh, check it out, 
Dale Wickheiser, CTO and co-founder of Park My Cloud. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to My Tech Decisions podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Blackwood. You can find me at Blackwood Tweets. And if you want to find out more about Tech Decisions, head on over to techdecisions.co or follow us at My Tech Decisions. We'll see you next time.